So I spent all week this week trying to come up with an alternative way to begin this message. I came up with about eight, none of which God will let me use. And so here goes. I have to begin today with an apology. See, I tried for eight years to help create and pastor a church that is welcoming, that is loving, that is truth-telling, that recognizes there are barriers that churches put up that prevent us from coming back. We might visit once, but we come up with a reason not to go back again. And I've, I've tried so hard to limit those barriers that keep us from coming back and learning more and going closer to Jesus and trying to create that church. I've intentionally not spoken about money. I've not spoken about money because that's one of the biggest barriers that we have. One of the biggest reasons that we've got for not going back to churches, they always talk about money. And I haven't because I know many people, and maybe you're one of them, are offended by a church that dares to talk about money even once in a while. Please forgive me for being that pastor. By not talking about money is really an attempt to keep from turning you off. And what I've only done is withheld biblical teaching. I've withheld truth. And I've kept you from knowing the joy of faithful giving, the joy of growing in that truth. And what I've done is I've, I've taken on our culture's idea that to talk about money is mean and dangerous and nasty. And in reality, a healthy Christian understanding of money is actually very much joy-filled. And so I have to apologize that I've not done my job as a pastor the way I should have. That's going to change. Not that we're going to talk about it too much, but we're going to talk about it today. If you're a visitor, a first-time person coming to our church, you have to decide whether or not this is for you. I suppose, in a way, this is for folks who call this place their church home. But if you're visiting from somewhere else, you know, maybe you can take it back and apply it to your own home congregation. See, I realize that money talk isn't fun to sit in those seats and listen to. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed it. Understand, though, it's also not fun to stand up here and talk to you about. Because I know how we feel about it. For many of us, money is the last thing that truly separates us from a full and a faithful relationship with God. It's that last thing that we hold on to. It's the last thing that we're willing to turn over. Money is the one thing that we cling to because we feel it's ours. For some folks, money is the deep, dark love affair of the human soul. It's the one thing that we covet and we worship more than God until you have an honest, godly understanding of money and a healthy relationship with it. The truth is, you're never going to be comfortable in church, in any church. That needs to end. It's our time as a church that we became healthier in our relationship with money. It's time to replace that fear and that stubbornness that we raise up with joy. We as Christians and we as a church need all of us to. It's just as simple as that. It's not the dirty topic of the Bible. It's one of the most often talked about parts of the New Testament. Last week we looked at how God has made us His children, and His children, as His children, were heirs to the riches of heaven. 
We talked about how you and I are heirs. We have an inheritance from God. And when you have an inheritance, you know whether you've gotten one or whether you've just dreamt about one, you know that along with an inheritance comes a responsibility. It's as simple as that. A responsibility to use the inheritance in a responsible way. What's the greatest inheritance of heaven that we have, that we receive and experience? It's the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of an eternal life. And there's two things that we can handle that. One way is that we can keep it to ourselves and we can say, I'm not really sure that I deserve it. I'm not sure that I deserve forgiveness, so if I'm not careful, God might take it away. So we don't talk to anybody about it. We just keep it to ourselves. The other option we've got is that we can share and tell everyone that we know about how it is that they too can share in our inheritance as the children of God. And the fact is there's only one way that God would have us live because, because God created us in His image. In the very image of God, you were created. And God wants us to live in a way that shows our family resemblance. And God is nothing if not generous. Genesis 1 so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created him. God created you in His image. There is some part of you that is created to look just like God, your Creator. You're created in the very image of God, and He gave us all a family to call our own. It's called the Christian church. And as Christians, as His children, we should begin to bear a resemblance to each other, which is in the image of God, our Creator. So in this branch of the Christian family, we accept and believe God's Word as truthful and relevant to our lives today, not as a book from from long ago that really doesn't have much bearing. It's not optional and it's not relative, which is so much of what's taught in our world today. And as Christians, we accept the responsibility of being the hands and the feet of Jesus here on earth. But that actually means something. That isn't just a nice thing that we say that doesn't have anything to it. The responsibility of being the earthly caretakers of the body of Christ, which is 100% made up of people. It's made up of all of us, and it's made up of all the people who we've yet to meet. We accept the responsibility of being God's children, and we accept the responsibility of caring for God's church, God's family here on earth. And you know what? That's a good thing. It's not entirely unlike the idea of how we're the new caretakers of the 70 acres of land that for 60 years has been known as Decision Hills. God has been at work in this property for more than 60 years. God has placed His name here more than a half a century ago. And we're not really the new owners. What we've said from the beginning is that we're the new caretakers. And as the caretakers, we've got some sense of enjoyment and we've got a lot of responsibility. In accepting God's invitation to move to this place, We also accept the responsibility to care for the land, the people, this church. That includes financial responsibility. There's some large churches in this world. There's some small churches in this world. And the large churches have a purpose and a place, and the small churches have a purpose and a place. And we find ourselves right there in the middle between the two. But the one thing that is consistent is each one exists according to God's plan for it. Maybe there are big ones that are on their way to becoming smaller ones and smaller ones that are on their way to becoming bigger ones, but they all exist because God has a plan for them. God has placed in each one of those churches spiritual gifts among the people who go there that are necessary to carry out God's plan for that church. God isn't going to ask a church to do something that He doesn't gift them to carry out. 
God's also provided for the finances of His church the same way. See, God brings into the church family every time the right number of people necessary to provide for the financial needs of the local church. That means you and I. Just like we're stretched with volunteers, we're stretched with our finances. What we've got to be honest about is if God has called you here for this to be your church home, God's called you here for a reason and a purpose and with a responsibility. Part of the purpose, part of your privilege, is to help be a caretaker of this wonderful, fragile thing that we call the Open Door Christian Church. See, but in that, I understand there's a problem because along the way, some of us have been lied to. I I know that I have, not here, but in other places. See, one of the ways that we've been lied to is that we've been taught incorrectly. and And the phrase that's always used is time, talent, and treasure. Am I right? But you know what? You haven't heard about that in a way that's actually biblical. You've heard about it in a way that churches use to not offend us. See, those things are all important, but those things are neither interchangeable nor are they the same. They're unique. Each one of them is significant, and it's important that we understand correctly in order to have a healthy church. Time. It's a limited resource given to each one of us by God. Our time is irreplaceable, and it is not guaranteed. Right now, you have the gift of this moment with no promise going into the future. Time is a gift. But it's not a dollar amount. It's why it's so important that we have a healthy relationship with Jesus because there is a promise for eternity. But not for how long you get to occupy this earth. Time doesn't have a dollar amount attached to it. You don't tithe your time. It is something that we offer in service to the church. It is not an offering to the church. God asks us to serve and God asks us to give. You can't equate a dollar amount to your time. Our talents, in the truest biblical sense, what those are, not the things you like to do, not even the things you're good at. What your talents are, the spiritual gifts that God has given to you as a Spirit-filled believer. And those spiritual gifts, they're not make, there to make you a great Christian. They're there for you to bring to make your church all that your church is supposed to be. New Testament makes it very clear that they are not to be exchanged for money. Spiritual gifts are not for you and they're not about you. They're for the church and they're about the church. Finally, treasure. We've been taught that our treasures are money. And rather than telling us to give a little bit because the church needs it, what you should be taught is that we're called to tithe to the local church because the tithe is the way that God provides for the church. And what is the tithe? Very simple. It's not a dirty word, folks. It's an Old Testament biblical principle that dates all the way back to the earliest days. In the Bible, the tithing, uh, tithing wasn't a, a mindless act of tossing a few coins that we can get away without missing into an offering. Tithing isn't like leaving a tip at a restaurant. It isn't a way of saying thank you to the church for a good message or for good music. Tithing is an intentional and thoughtful practice through which God teaches His children, the church, about His sovereign ownership of everything. What do I mean by that? God owns it all. You might have worked for it. You might have earned it. But it is something that God has provided for you. Tithing is about our understanding God's sovereign ownership of everything there is. So instead of devouring our blessings and just asking for more, 
Tithing gives us time to stop and think about just how much we have been given by God in the first place. Tithing is simple math. It's not confusing. The first 10% of whatever you receive is what you give in return to God for what He has first provided you with. The Bible talks about first fruits. should be the first check. Tithing should be planned, should be prayed over, should be committed to with joy. And that's the part that churches don't teach. Through the tithe, God takes care of His people, the church, and through the act of generous giving, God continues to bless His people in the church. Tithes, when properly understood, are even given when you miss a Sunday. It's a commitment to the first 10% of everything that you receive, not just the weeks that you decide to go to church. When you think about everything, what, what does that mean? Whether you give it or whether you earn it, it's from God. Whether someone gives it to you or whether you go to work and exchange your time for it, it's from God. It might be your paycheck. It could be your job, your abilities. Things that you're good at in the world. Your family, all of those are given to you by God. See, and here's the thing with the tithe. The tithe doesn't talk about a dollar amount. God simply asks for a portion, for the first portion. It's a simple concept to follow when you realize that everything you have comes from Him and all God asks in return is the first portion back to Him. 10% is simple math. It's easy to do. But here's the deal. This is where I have failed you. To not teach you properly about tithing, to not invite you and encourage you to tithe, means that to not tithe is to not experience the joy of giving in its most godly way. You will never, ever, ever run across someone who is a tither that talks about it in any way other than joy. Everyone that I've ever talked to speaks of it the same way. Now, it's true the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. That is correct. What the New Testament teaches and what the New Testament gives examples of is above and beyond cheerful giving. See, the early church was all Jewish people. They understood the tithe. That's why there's a part of the New Testament that says they all sold everything that they had and they gave it to the church. And that was what began the mission of the church. That wasn't a tithe. That was all in. They understood the value of what they had. And God says, I just want you to consider me with the first of what you earn. See, what Jesus did and that I failed to do was to talk about money. Jesus taught about money. Jesus dwelt on the topic of money. Why? Because Jesus knows our hearts. And in the 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth, Human hearts haven't changed much. Do you know that of the 38 parables that Jesus used to make points in the New Testament, 16 of them are about how to handle money and possessions? In the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, there are 288 verses that talk about money. One out of every ten talks about money. A tithe of the verses. One-tenth of them talks about money. The Bible has 500 verses on prayer. Almost 500, not quite, but almost 500 on faith. But do you know how many verses in the Bible talk about our money and possession? More than 2,000. Four times as many as talk about faith. You think that God wants us to get a solid grip and a healthy relationship on money? Why? Because where do you think human hearts are prone to wander? To what we think we have earned, to what we think we deserve what we think we have a right to keep for ourselves when in fact all of it is a gift from God in the first place. 
Tithing isn't mandatory. It isn't in the Bible and it isn't here. But tithing is opportunity. It's one of the ways that we show God that we put our trust in Him and in His plan for us. We trust in God's unending provision for us. When we believe that everything we have is a gift from God, by returning the first back to Him, it's to say, God, I know that there's more in your storehouse from where this came from. It's to say, I'm not worried about it, God. I trust you. Malachi 6, or Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I can't speak for you because I don't know all of you, but I know my real treasure is in heaven. That's what I'm really looking forward to. We get a glimpse in the Bible of what that's going to be like. But you know, one of the real treasures here on earth for me is this place, this church. It gives me hope where I see God's love for humankind, where I see transformation of people from all kinds of things into something brand new. I see a real treasure in each one of you. As you introduce yourselves to me, as I get to know you, as I'm invited into your lives, your successes, your celebrations, your struggles, and your heartbreak, folks, that's treasure. That's what really matters. I am grateful to bring my tithe to this place because I see God at work in you every single day through this church. But I can't do it alone. See, God created the church for health and for growth. We're not supposed to remain stagnant. Not as believers and not as churches. We're called to grow the kingdom of God. That's the whole point of the Great Commission. See, God's carried you to this point in your life so that you're able to serve others as you grow in faith yourself. You're also here if this is your church home because you have a part in the financial health and growth of this place. Just like God has gifted you to help serve in this place, we're all gifted differently. And what He asks us to do is to use the gifts as He's given them to us. So you may not feel like it, but God's gifted you with finances as well. Every one of you figured out how to get here today, which meant you had the financial resources to do it. You've been blessed. We've been blessed in this country beyond our ability to understand or comprehend. Each of us in different ways and in different amounts. And part of that blessing, God asks for you to return it to help carry out the mission and the ministry that we've been called to. But here's the thing. As a church, we cannot do it without you because we aren't supposed to. It's not God's plan. Now, whatever you give to the church or choose not to give, that's between you and God. I want you to know that we've got some people who have taken God's plan for tithing and financial health of the local church seriously. But I know some of us still do not. I've never not once, not once, have I met someone committed to regular, consistent, and faithful tithing who regretted it. Not one person. It quickly becomes a habit, a healthy part of our Christian walk that doesn't give us stress. It doesn't make us wonder where it's going to come from. It gives us a feeling of joy, of gratefulness for all that God has given and all that we have. What God started way back in the Old Testament continues to be true today. It our, puts our priorities in clear order, and it shows God in that moment that our trust is in Him. Matthew 6, 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God... And be enslaved to money. See, I was talking about two masters. Two masters, God and money. God knows what rules our lives. In the Christian church, we can serve and worship only one God. That is God our Creator, Jesus' His Son, and the Holy Spirit. The love and the worship of money 
has no place here. We can appreciate money. We can be grateful for money. We can utilize it to serve personal and kingdom purposes. But you'll never, ever, ever hear the love of money preached from the pulpit in this church. God will not tolerate it from me or from you. No prosperity theology heresy. No, the more faith you have, the more money you'll have lies. Just biblical tithing truth. And going forward, I'm not going to be shy about it anymore because I don't want to take from you the joy of a healthy relationship with your money. Mark 12, starting in verse 41. You think that Jesus wasn't paying attention to this stuff? When He, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury, watched the people putting money into the offering box, many rich rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Folks, you can't tell God you're too poor to tithe. That's the reason that passage is in the Bible. That woman who had two cents and gave it away. We don't get to say that we don't have enough to tithe. Now that passage doesn't dismiss the gifts of the wealthy. It doesn't say there's any problem with having money. It doesn't in any way talk poorly about those who had more. What it does do is celebrate the faith of the woman who gave all she had. You might say you can't afford to give money to the church. You might convince yourself that. You might convince yourself you can't afford to tithe. But God has another answer for you because in too many churches we're taught, well, if you gave 1% last year, give 2% this year. That's not biblical. We were talking between the services. Do you know what the average evangelical Christian gives to their church every year? On average, 2.2%. That's a good bit short of a tithe. No wonder churches are struggling. No wonder the world is winning. We don't even believe it in ourselves. See, Malachi, in the Old Testament, there's a passage in Malachi where God says, test me on this. Test me with your giving. You test me and see what I don't do for you. Now, God isn't saying, if you give me money, I'm going to give you more money. That's not what He's saying. God says, you test me. And in my language, how I would say it is simply this. You trust God with your tithe, God's not going to let you down and not going to disappoint you. Don't get all caught up in that God's going to make your life rich and wonderful and your bank account huge. That's not what it says. God says, you trust me with your tithe and I won't let you down. I won't disappoint you. You trust me and I'll show you why you should. Your situation, your struggle, the thing in life that's God leading you through, the leading you through might be your finances. It might be any number of other things. That thing that you've got to deal or struggle with. See, God knows that's the very thing that that someone else is going to need you to help them walk through down the road. God will use you to walk with someone else, but if we don't have a good understanding, we're not going to be any good. Alone, we can do some good things in this world, but when we band together, when we combine our spiritual gifts, our experience, our wisdom, and the wealth of all of us working together, there's quite literally that nothing... There's quite literally nothing that God cannot do in and through this place and the people of this church. Not because we're great, but because God is. Our responsibility is to understand it clearly. So what do we need to do? Well, I'll tell you what. We need to work together as volunteers in our care ministry. 
Pastor Rich will be back there after the service. You know why that's important? Because one day you're going to be hurting and you're going to hope that your church is there to surround you. Actually, you know what? You're going to do more than hope. You're going to expect. So here's your opportunity to say, you know what? I'll be the one that steps in when somebody needs their church. Maybe an hour, maybe two a month. It's not a full-time job. But you know what? Part of being a family is caring for each other. And what Pastor Rich is trying to do is to establish a ministry where we put some structure around caring for people to make sure that nobody falls through the cracks. We need to pour into our children. It takes financial resources and it takes people resources. It takes a lot of love and it takes a lot of effort to raise children in the truth of the Gospel and knowing who Jesus is in a world that wants them to believe anything but. We need to work together in our giving to carry the financial responsibilities that we have as a church. And when we get this figured out, you and I, when we get this thing with money worked out, We need to work together to encourage each other in generous and even sacrificial giving and tithing. Not for the rights to brag, but to encourage each other to be faithful. And if that isn't a topic you want to talk about, you'll have to take it up with God because Jesus talked about it all the time. Simple truth is this. Despite whatever it is you might think or whatever it is you might have heard, we're not a wealthy church. We enjoy the riches of heaven. We're blessed to be a church where God has placed His name. And I wholeheartedly believe that God has called us to do significant things in the communities that surround us because God wants to capture and transform human lives. Did you know that we've got about $75,000 remaining in a matching fund gift that's going unused? And the only thing I can imagine is that we're all sitting around expecting somebody else to pay for the privilege of us occupying this place. It's not the way God's church is supposed to work. Did you know in the last year we've more than doubled our Sunday morning attendance? And we've well more than doubled the number of people who call this place home. Why? Because we preach the truth. That's all. You don't get the best preaching in the world up here. You get great music, but there's probably better music somewhere else. I don't know. But that's not what you're here for. You're here because we preach the truth. Do you know that we've added the necessary staff people that we need to help address the increased ministry needs all while keeping our expenses, our operating expenses, as low as we possibly can? At the same time as we've been experiencing all that wonderful growth, our weekly giving is going down. In fact, per capita, per person, our weekly giving is the lowest that it's ever been. Some weeks... In the offerings, we receive less than half of what we actually need to keep moving forward. Does that mean we're in trouble? Nope, it doesn't. What it means is that I have a responsibility to apologize for not preaching the full truth of God's Word to you. I have not shouldered my responsibility in teaching responsible and godly giving for the maintenance and the growth of our local church. God will use this to His glory. I know that for certain. I know already God is growing me in my faith as a result of this. And if you let Him, God will grow you too. If you'll say, God, I'll stop fighting for my money, it's all yours. You'll be amazed when that first 10% is returned to Him. You'll be amazed how many other things in your life start making sense. See, the beauty of the local church is that we're family. We have the opportunity and we've got the responsibility to do our part to care for and support our family. 
Do we all have the same role and all have the same responsibility? No, we don't. We're all gifted differently, just like we're all come at it from a different financial perspective. But here's what I know is that we'll never function at our full potential until we understand, until we embrace, until we practice generous volunteering, generous serving, and generous giving. God's plan for the local church is that we work together, all of us, not on our own effort, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to be the church that He has called and created us to be. And that, being a part of the local church, is a joy and a privilege. You and I were created in the image of God to be the local church for the rest of the world. We're created in the image of God so that people can see who God is and experience the kind of love that God has for you so that we can show it to them. And with the local church, we get to support it, care for it, and we get to be the church. If you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a Christian family, I I love what Pastor Rich always says, we have a place for you. If you have one and you're just visiting us this morning, thank you for checking us out. If you're looking and wondering, if you're thinking this might be the place for you, then what I would say is welcome to the family, welcome home. It's an incredible family and we understand that we have the responsibility and the privilege to care for each other and to care for our church. In a few moments, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our gifts and tithes and offerings, and they're very different things. Just like happened in the Old Testament, I would love if you would, starting today, stop and think about what's God calling you to do, not what you can get away with. What's God calling you to What is this place to you and what is your role here? What is the place that God is calling you to take? Stop and think. Stop and pray. And stop and thank God for all He's given you. Consider whether God might be calling you to trust in Him with your tithe. The one thing that I know is it's the one thing in the Bible God says, test me on. If you do, you will not regret it. And you will understand joy as a Christian in a way you cannot in any other way. In that moment, we know that what we're doing is pleasing to God. Let's pray. God, money is tough to talk about. It's not fun to listen to. Churches have oftentimes gotten a well-deserved bad reputation for talking about money all the time. God, we don't talk about money around here Hardly at all. And for that, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You know our hearts. You know what is important to us. You know what we struggle with being first in our life. God, if we're here this morning, there's a very good chance we do truly want you to be first. Work in our hearts, God. Work in our minds. Work through me as I listen to you for how it is that we should approach this in the future. God, where there needs to be changes, help us to understand where change needs to be made. Where there's encouragement or a new way of thinking, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would encourage us and give us a new way of thinking. Because what we want more than anything, God, is to be faithful to you. We want to live out the call in all of its fullness that you have placed on this congregation. God, I thank you for everyone here, every soul who is in this place this morning. Every one of them here, God, every one of them is here for a reason, for a purpose. And God, what I would ask is that in Your Holy Spirit You would use each one of us because we would be willing to be used by You, that You would use each one of us to the fullest 
of the purpose you've called us to. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Okay, last thoughts are basically the sermon in two minutes, all right? Break it down as simple as I can. Here you go. Unless you were one of the seven that started this place eight years ago, unless you were one of them, you are here today because someone who didn't know you and hadn't met you loved you and gave their money so that you could come and be a part of this place, so that you could hear the truth of God for yourself. The local church breaks down that simply. Are we here for us? Yes, but no. We're here for us and we're here for all those people we've yet to meet. Are we out to be a mega church? Nope. No way in the world is that the goal. The goal is to be a faithful church. An individually and biblically faithful church. You are here because someone cared enough about you without even knowing your name that they gave of their money so that you could come and be a part of what we are. Now it's your opportunity to be that church for someone else. You may never meet them, but you will have a part in changing their life forever for all eternity. That's the way it really breaks down, and that's what it's all about. Folks, thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for being a part of this. I hope we see you again next week, Wednesday, 6.30, next Sunday, 8.30 and 10.30. One more song to go, right? Take it away.